0: few minutes out of your day to listen to this message. This is the Journey Church podcast. Our hope is that it leads you closer to Jesus and encourages you to live your life on mission for Him. For more information about our church and how you can get involved in what God is doing at Journey, please visit jrny.church. Hey, turn, turn to the person to your right or left and say, hey, you should be smiling. It's not raining. It's not raining. You should be smiling. You can be seated. All over this house, as you're being seated, I believe at all of our campuses, I want to encourage you with this thought today. Uh, Because Some of you go to this church week in and week out, and the weeks you don't serve, Uh, I think sometimes it feels like, you know, why am I at church, am I just here to sing? And I, I believe, truthfully, that everything that happens in our life, that doesn't happen by chance, that if God's in our life, that everything is set up by God. Even the people that you sit by at church, I believe every week there's there's people that you don't even know, maybe you're sitting by somebody who's been through a similar thing that you've been through, faced something that you've faced, and you've come out the other end of it and found victory, and maybe God's placed you right beside them to not not only be an encouragement to be maybe somebody who's able to speak into their life, and there's power in in church, not just in serving in a position, but you serve Every week by being here and so I just want to thank you once again uh, for being a part of journey If you're not a typical church person and you don't come to church every week We want to welcome you. We're we're glad you're here as well Uh, I know it can be extremely nerve-wracking to come to church for the very first time and so our prayer is always That you would feel right at home from the moment that you got here. That we don't have outsiders and insiders, that we're not different than you. We simply have a faith, many of us, in Jesus Christ, not because we're good people, but because He's a good God and He's changed us. And we are simply trying to become all that God has called us to become. We're not perfect people. I don't know if you figured that out either. We are all working in in progress. And so we're we're glad that you're with us today. We're in the middle of a series uh, called There's Work to Be Done. We're going to end this next week. And if you haven't been here, I want to catch you just a little bit up to speed. And uh, maybe you're not a believer, maybe you don't have faith in Christ, maybe you're just kind of here today to pay somebody a favor. No matter what you believe at all of our campuses, uh, we're, we're talking leadership. To be a follower of Christ is to be a leader, but even outside of following Christ, everybody is, is influencing people and, and having leadership and working at jobs and going to school. And so even if you're not a believer and you're just kind of here to pay somebody a, a favor, I believe that this message will, will, will have some application for you. But if you're a follower of Christ. What I'm going to talk to you about today is, is significantly important. I want to catch you up, though. We've been talking about Nehemiah. You remember the story? Nehemiah is a cupbearer to the king. He works for, for the king of Persia. Xerxes, it means he has a cush job. He's a wine taster. He throws parties. Uh, I mean, he, he, he's, he's living the life. He's also an Israelite, uh, a Jewish person. Never been to his homeland Because a 100 or so years before, uh, somebody had taken over the Babylonians, his homeland, and brought a bunch of Jewish people back to their country to indoctrinate them, train them up, and essentially uh, make them laborers for their empire. Well, history has kind of changed. The Babylonians aren't in charge anymore. A new power has come, the Persians. And so Jewish people are kind of still in the midst of being exiled. And Nehemiah is one of them. He's a young man. He's never been to to Jerusalem, doesn't know anything about it, just knows that's where my great-grandparents are from. The Bible says that he has an interaction with his, with his, with his brother one day. Uh, he finds out people are going back to Jerusalem and, and rebuilding, but there's no walls. And the walls represent protection. They represent security. They represent their ability to continue to build and be, and be safe. And so his heart breaks. And I told you, I said, God wants you to have influence. He, he wants you to have a purpose. He wants you to be a leader But you need to understand how that happens. How did it happen in Nehemiah's life? God broke his heart. And I told you, God will often have to break something in you before he makes something out of you. And what happens there? You begin to see things others don't see and care for things others could care less about. When God puts you somewhere, you'll see things that other people don't see. I'll give you an example. When I first moved here, moved from from Boyertown to Limerick after we came from Oklahoma, uh, we moved to Phoenixville. And I fell in love with with the city, not just because uh, of the downtown, but because I I felt like I was supposed to be here. I felt called to to Phoenixville. And so I began to see things that other people didn't see and care for things. I'll give you an example. My mother-in-law came from Oklahoma. She doesn't live in an area like this. Houses aren't connected. You know, people aren't rude, stuff like that. And so she came to our house one time. We live in a row home right here on the north side of Phoenixville. It's a little, little, it could be, be some rough stuff going on there. And it's, it's not streets aren't wide and stuff like that. It, it, it was my hood, right? Like, it was, it was, it was, I was proud of where I lived. I was excited. I loved to walk downtown all that stuff. I knew all the neighbors. We would, we would walk on this side of town and wave to everybody. I felt like I was walking into Cheers where everybody knew my name. But she came in from Oklahoma, and she would try to go on a walk in the morning, and she would be like, is this safe? You know, this is this. Are you sure? And they they didn't really like coming here because because they didn't see what I see and cared about what I cared about. But because I had a broken heart for the people of this of this area, this is where I know I'm supposed to be. I see things other people. Phoenixville lo- 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 looks like lo- looks like L.A. to me, right? Like it just feels like I'm living where I'm supposed to live, and I care about pe- things other people don't care about. That's what happens in your life. And then I said last week, I said, "Well, how do you show up when you travel?" He traveled a thousand miles on horse. I mean, not. How did you show up, number one, A, without hemorrhoids after doing that, and B, how do you show up, stand on the scene, say, I'm here to rebuild this wall that's been down for over 100 years that nobody has been able to do. I'm your man. What was your, what's your previous history credentials? I was a cupbearer to the king. How do you show up and have people trust that you are going to be the project manager of this great work? I said, you have to earn, you have to earn credibility. How, how, do you, how do you earn credibility? I, I gave you just a few. I said, you need to be consistent after the commotion. Everybody likes to start. You need to keep going after nobody is worried about it. You need to be consistent after the commotion. You need to have character more than you want charisma. Charisma attracts attention. Character is able to influence people. Have character over charisma. And I said you need to have commitment. That's more important than credentials. It's one thing to show up with, with an education. It's another thing to be bought into it. And I said, now listen, education is not unimportant. But there's a plenty of educated people who could care less about their job. You need to show up and you need to be committed to whatever God has called you to be committed. That's how you get credibility. I could spend the next two months here, uh, but we're not going to because I have a series I want to preach to you in, uh, in, in, in June about uh, gender and identity and, and men and women. And we're going to have a good time. And so trust me, you're going to want to be here. For that. And so, but what I want to do is I want to I talk to you next week about how to handle success because oftentimes success ruins people. One of the worst things about being a pastor is I see people come here and they're brokenhearted and God puts them back together because that's what he does. And then they get to the mountain of their life and they leave God. They walk away. And so I want to talk to you about how to handle success because if you earn credibility and if you, if you allow God to break your heart, eventually you'll begin to see some form of success in your life. Don't allow success. To, to ruin you. We'll talk about that next week. Today I want to talk to you about opposition. How to, how to face uh, opposition. Maybe, maybe you're not like me, but what, what seems to, to, to always happen in my life is it seems like any time that I start to get myself going in whatever direction that God wants me to go, that something goes wrong. That that's there's some form of pushback. Like any any time that I try to make a change, you know, give some more money, make a commitment, you know, start a new habit, whatever it looks like with God, that any time that I do that, that at all of our camp, maybe you've never experienced this, that it seems like like I face opposition. It seems like there's stuff that goes goes wrong. And here's what I want you to know. And if you don't you don't take notes, you should you should take notes today because this is gonna be an encouraging message. For, for some of you, you need to remember this. Whenever you move forward for God, there will always be opposition in your life. Let me say amen right there. That's important. Amen. Some of you don't understand that. Well, here, here's what you think. When I start following God, it's smooth sailing from there. Like everything will work out. I was single, started following God. Husband. I, I was single, I started following God. Success, money, right? I broke free from my addiction. I never struggled with it again. Everything that I do, it's like I'm just singing in the rain. I'm just walking through. I'm just skating through life. Everything is perfect. There's never anything wrong in my life. And I want you to understand, whenever you move forward for God, you can can expect opposition. There will always be opposition. Some of you don't understand this. Let me explain to you in, in, in physical terms so you understand. I always go back to exercise because if you're a normal person like me, Who wants to exercise? Like, I'd rather just eat what I want, do what I... I'm 38 years old. I've had nothing else to prove with my body, right? Like, I've been there, done that, got Leah to marry me. I'm I'm good, right? Like, I don't... don't, It doesn't really bother me. But I know what happens if I don't. I know what I look like. I have to look at myself on camera. Adds 25 pounds, by the way, at other campuses. And so, like, I see those things. I see. I have to to look at myself. I have to look at my chin. I got to look at all of those things that I have to look at. And I think, I don't want to... Be like that, so if I don't want to be like that, I got to make changes, and the changes that I make oftentimes equal what? Pain. I don't know if you've ever been to the gym after you haven't been to the gym for a long time, and you show up, and you exercise, you're like, this feels great, I'm going to do this every day, and the next morning, you're like, God, Why? Help, Leah, help, I can't move, right? Like, don't touch me. Your stomach hurts, your legs hurt, your eyes hurt, your hair hurts, everything hurts. It's like your body is angry at you, or maybe you decided you're, you're going to change the way you eat, and everything that you're just makes you mad. Everybody makes you mad. Every time you see somebody that's eating something that you know you can't eat because you'll blow up like a tick, you get angry at them. How dare you eat like that? in front? It's not healthy. And there's always physical pain and opposition associated. Like, I I don't know if there's people here that work out all the time, but I can just imagine, and I've never experienced this because I don't like to be in pain all the time, but there's people, you're just in pain all the time. And you're like, I love it. I'm like, why? But the truth is, the reason you're in pain all the time is because you're consistently pushing and growing. You will always face opposition, When you're doing the things, when you're moving forward in God. And so what I want to do is I want to to take you to the book of Nehemiah chapter 2. And I want to show you the beginning of this. He he gets there. He gets supplies from the king. He gets the cooperation of the people. He's about to start building. The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse number 18. They replied. He went out at night. You remember this part. They replied, let us start building So they began this good work. So he gets there, earns the credibility, they all begin to build. Chapter three is this incredible uh, documentation of all these different people from all these walks of life. If I had time, I would preach just because it's it's the picture of a great uh, church that's changing the world. There's people from all walks of life building this church, building this wall. They're, they're, They're just a part of it. They're not trained. They don't have Credentials. They just bought in. They want to be part of what, what Nehemiah is doing. And the Bible says in, in, in chapter 2 that they replied, let us start rebuilding the wall so they began this good work. Watch this. This, this is important. But when Sambalit doesn't that just sound like somebody who would get on your nerves? When Sambalat, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. We start rebuilding, and immediately these three dudes, and if you read the book of Nehemiah, they come back constantly. They mock and ridicule us. What do they say? What are you doing? How are you, are you rebelling against the king? And I answer them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We are his servants. We will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. And if you read over and over and over again in the middle of this building project, these dudes come back. They get louder. They get more annoying. They get more angry. They get more disturbed. It's almost as if Nehemiah is trying to tell us, this is just going to be part of your life. If you want to move into the things God has for you, if you want to to become who God's created you to be, don't expect it to be smooth sailing. Expect to have these type of people, have these type of situations in, in, in your life. In other words, you don't face opposition because you're doing something wrong. You face it because you're doing something right. You should write that down. You're not going to face opposition in your life because you're doing something wrong. We tend to think that. If it's difficult, I must be wrong. Now, there is times, by the way, that you face hardships because you're an idiot. Me too. Like There's times in the Bible where God said, Jonah, go preach to these people. You're my prophet. You work for me. Do what I say. I mean, far-fetched, right? Go preach to these people. He says, I'm not, I don't like them. And the Bible says this man gets, a, gets on a boat and sails as far in the opposite direction as he can and ends up getting thrown overboard in the whale. Write that down somewhere. I don't want to be in a whale, right? So there is times you do bad things, you, you rebel, that you end up far away from God and you cause undue suffering. But there's a bunch of other times in your life that if you set out to do what God's calling you to do, you're not going to face opposition because you're doing something, something wrong. It's because you're, you're going in the right direction. So what I want to do is I want to show you in, in the book of Nehemiah, we're going to land in chapter 4. Uh, just three decisions, three things you're going to have to make, three, uh, three things you're going to face in, in, in your life. Number one is this, is you need to remember uh, you're going to face obstacles. You, you, will, you will face things in the road that you don't want to be there. You will face obstacles. Here's what Scripture says in Nehemiah chapter 4. They, they, they built, they started to build, and here comes Sambalat back in. When Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. So he's back, right? And he begins to just, just, just mock and, and, and criticize. We're going to talk about that in a second. And just be a nuisance. Just be an obstacle. In fact, it gets so bad. I don't have this in your notes. But if you read through this chapter, by verse number 10 of this chapter, the Bible says that the people in Judah, they're, they're crying out. The strength of the laborers is, is giving out. And there is so much rubble in this wall that we cannot rebuild. In other words, what they're saying is when the wall got knocked down 100 years ago, nobody cleaned this up. And so now there's just so much in the way. There's people in the way. There's rocks in the way. There's so much garbage in the way. We're tired. That's in the way. We're facing all sorts of obstacles. And I need to to make sure you you understand this. If you do something for God, you will consistently face things that, that you're like, why am I going through this? Why, why is it so, why does it feel so difficult? I can't tell you how many times, if it's a big Sunday for us, and every Sunday's big, but there's times when we know, man, Easter is a big Sunday, and Christmas Eve is a big Sunday, and Mother's Day is a big Sunday, and Father's Day, and, 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 and days like that where we know we have lots of guests and baby dedication, and we come in to turn on the lights somewhere and something blow up. Right in the middle, you're like, What? Lights are going crazy. Hazer won't turn off. Looks like the Shekinah glory is in this place. Like, that's a Christian joke, by the way. Like, what's that? I don't, I don't know. And so, that, that's, are you serious right now? I think we're playing with me. That's not funny. There's times that, like, I'm preaching and something is buzzing. I've worked all week on a sermon. I just want to get it out and something won't stop buzzing. I literally want to push this over and walk off the stage, have a temper tantrum. There is always... Obstacles there's times I got to be honest with you every time we start a campus as a church every time right before we announce it To you we start to try to figure out what we're gonna do and then we make the announcement to our church But oftentimes our staff knows first and here's why because we sit down with them And we say you know what's about to happen if we start this campus there's not going to be a whole lot of cheering and excitement from everyone. Some people are going to be excited. And what's going to happen over the next year is we go through the permit for process and we raise money and we work with architects and we get in there and do the work is all hell will break loose in our church. People that we, we, we thought were going to be a big part of our church for years and we're building the church around and they're leading. Some of them are going to walk away. Other people who we see as great leaders are going to decide they're not going to do what they're supposed to do. Some people are going to grow weary and not want to do it because of obstacles in their own life. And we know as soon as we sign that dotted line, it's basically an invitation to obstacles. There's so many times I'd rather think, man, let's just, let's just not. We have enough problems on, on, on our own. And I need you to understand this. You're going to face obstacles in your life. It's what I would call two steps forward, three steps back. Ever been there? You come to church, you're like, you know, this week, I'm going to get my money right. He's been talking about his money, let God own it, let God handle it. I'm going to get my money. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to sign up for Dave Ramsey's financial piece. I'm going to find a church. I'm going to get Dave Ramsey's name tattooed on my arms. So I remember what I'm doing. I'm going to live on the envelope system where I only use cash. And I'm going to start living by this God-forsaken word, budget. I'm going to spend less than I make. I'm going to live like no one else lives right now so that later on I can live like no one else lives. I'm going to do the Dave Ramsey thing. And you get all excited. You put your tide check in that week. You begin to serve God. You begin to put Him first. You begin to budget. And then the next week, you're like, you're in your house. You're just living your life. You're minding your own business. And smoke starts pour, pouring in from the vents from the basement. You go down, your heater is on fire. $2,700 later, you're like, Two steps forward, three steps back. There's going to be times in your life where where you start coming to church and you go, you know what? I'm I'm going all in with Christ. I'm going to lead my family spiritually. I got teenagers. We haven't really put God first for the first few months or years of our lives. We've been doing other stuff, but I'm going to get my life right and lead my kids. And you're going to start bringing your family to church. And you're going to have that 14 or 15-year-old son or daughter that comes to you after you've been going and you've been doing everything you're supposed to do. And they're like, yo, I don't believe in God. You're like, what? They're like, prove he exists. And you're like, talk to Pastor Steve. <laughs> you're going to go two steps forward. What do feel like? You're going three steps back. Happens at church all the time. We feel like we're going, we're going, we're going. We're making gains, right? To use a gym term, making gains. Stuff's going well. We're building leaders. We're doing all this stuff. People's is all falling apart. Everybody's perfect. Everybody's walking in here with white robes and halos over their heads. Everybody's smiling. There's no fights. You're, getting, you're making gains two steps forward, and all of a sudden, it's like three steps back. Everybody's pissed off. Everybody's coming in here with black clothes on, Right? Halos are gone little pitchforks. Everybody's marriages are falling apart. You're like, what's going on? It's two steps forward. It's three three steps back you're gonna face You're gonna face consistent obstacles, and I want to encourage you you're gonna face obstacles, but you don't have to fear them In fact, I would tell you that in my own life as I've pastored this church that many of our greatest obstacles if I just gave God some time were actually actually my best opportunities that many of the greatest, what is going on moments of my life, if I would just give God some time, became some of the greatest opportunities. Let me give you a classic example. In 2011, this, this wasn't happening. Plymouth Meeting, you, you, were, you, you weren't happening. Royceford, you weren't happening. Limerick, you were barely happening. We had Limerick and then in Phoenixville, so we started a church in the Phoenixville uh, Colonial Theater. And that's kind of where, where we were at. And our kids space at the Colonial Theater was kind of bad. We had one class on the third floor for, for the older kids, and then on, the, on the, the balcony, which was an open balcony, we decided to put up pipe and drape, that's, that's, that meets code, and we'll put our nursery there, which, which, looking back, I was thinking, that's probably not that safe. No one died, we were fine, but that was where our babies were at, and the thing is, we didn't have a lot of, we didn't have a lot of people coming, and I, I know why, because I wouldn't want to drop my kid off at a balcony either. So at the end of 2011, we had an amazing opportunity to rent a storefront. There was a a store called Hipster Home. It was one of the coolest stores downtown. Got closed, moved out of Phoenixville, and we got to swoop in. And we got to rent this building. We raised $20,000 at Christmas that year. We put $10,000 of work in. We spent all of January painting, put a boot in the window. It was amazing, boot on bridge. Did all this work, built a stage, like had kid space, went in there and had two weeks of kids space, moved our younger kids to the third floor so they had a secure room, moved our older kids two doors down, not the band, two doors down. And we had, we had kids church and it was an amazing two Sundays. I mean, the kids loved it. It was cool. It was great advertisement. We had a sign out there, Journey Church. Three weeks into it, we show up on a Saturday, and there is big orange. Why well, they got to make them orange? Orange papers on it that says cease and desist. We're like, what? So, of course, we didn't have church in the next day because we're Christians. And so we didn't have church in there. We, we made do. And then on Monday, I went into the township. I said, what? what's this? met with the, the owner of the building who we just signed a five-year lease with. We just spent $10,000. On this building met with the owner he, he somehow some reason he overlooked the fact that it was not zoned for a nursery or a daycare or a church and so we looked at the township person who was not nice they never are and no offense if you're here you're not you need Jesus and so we looked at people, and they were really stern, and they followed the rules, do all that stuff, and they said, you can't be in there unless he goes to the state and fights to get a variant, changes the zoning, it'll take a couple months, then you can be in there. And I thought he would because I just gave him a bunch of money and spent $10,000 of my own money to make his place nicer. You know what he did? He said, I'm not doing that. He walked away, and the next day he rented it out to one of those painting places. I'm still bitter to this day. I used to walk by there, and they would have a a painting on, on one of whatever they're called, the artist things, right? And I'll walk by and they would have it up on the stage showing it off. And it was just like they were piercing my bitter soul, right? And when, I, when it happened to me, I was bitter. I was like, was why would you do this? Because a few months later, we were moving our whole church over there. And, and because we didn't have a space for our kids, guess who we were putting our kids? The club? That's a whole other story. Club 212, walking in, picking up used condoms and throw up and covering up posters with, with half-naked girls on it. My kids walking in, getting the education that they were not yet ready to have. Telling them, keep your eyes on Ian. <laughs> Look, nowhere else but Ian going into the bathrooms and asking volunteers to clean up things that nobody should clean up. And I was so angry at God. I'm like, God, why would you do this? And here's why. Because that was 2011. We signed a five-year lease. We would have been in there until 2016. But in 2013, we had the opportunity to move out of Phoenixville to a place where we could have parking and set us up to do everything else that we are currently doing. And if I would have had that lease, we wouldn't have been able to afford this place. So what God did is God said, I'm gonna give you two years of chaos and obstacles and throw up and use you know what, and posters your kid is couldn't be seeing on. And I mean it was always amazing when we had a guest and they would say, Where's your kid's space? Head down the block, into the alley, take a left, don't worry about the guy, passed out right there, head into the club, <laughs> come back around, pass the bar. Your kids are going to be there. Your three-year-old's going to be fine. (laughs) But God did all that so that that when it was time to sign the contract here, he knew we would need every penny that we had to be able to do what he was calling us to do, that we weren't locked into a lease. You see, his, his obstacle that he allowed to come into this place when I stepped back, I go, no, that was a God opportunity. And so every obstacle that you're facing right now, you don't have to fear. You just need to step back and go, no, no, maybe this is an opportunity for God to show up in an even greater way. You're gonna face obstacles. Number two is this is you're gonna face criticism. I, I wanna encourage you, I want you to understand this. If you don't want somebody to talk bad about you and you don't want to be criticized, don't move. Don't breathe. Stay in your house. Don't do anything significant for God's kingdom. Because as soon as you begin to, to move, as soon as you begin to step out, as soon as you say with your mouth, God's called me to build this wall, I don't have the credentials, I don't have the charisma, I don't have the backing, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know he's called me. As soon as God starts to bring success and, and whatever you lay your hands to, you begin to get influence. I want to say, you're going to get criticized. And the bigger that whatever God calls you to do it gets, the more you're going to get. You're going to consistently hear people talk, talk bad about you. I've, I've seen this as a pastor. Nobody talked bad about us when nobody was coming to our church. But the more people that come to, to my church, the more that I have to witness, watch, sit back, relax, not punch anybody, and listen to. People talk bad about us. In fact, oftentimes i got to see these people in public and smile at them. In my heart, I think, God, please let me punch them <laughs> just once. But just let me, because this is part of it. You will, you will face obstacles. You will hear criticism. Watch what happens in Nehemiah chapter 4. He, they begin to say, what are these feeble Jews doing? What are they doing? Are they going to restore this, this wall? Are they going to offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a, in a day? They're mocking them. Can, can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of, of rubble? Are they going to be able to do it? Burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side. And I want to I give you a little side note. Critics never come alone because critics are always cowards. Critics always want company. It's no fun to be a critic because when you're a critic, it means you're not doing anything. So so critics, they they never come alone. They They always want company. So if you're in the corner somewhere talking about somebody else, this is you. You're probably not doing anything significant for God because people who are doing significant things for God don't have time to criticize other people. That's just a side sermon for you. It's not a spiritual gift. It's not in the Bible. You're not called to do it. Don't even go there with me. And he says, here's, here's my buddy, Tobiah. And the Bible says that Tobiah, who was at his side, says, what they are building, what, what they're building, even a fox climbing up on it will be able to break their wall of, of stones. So he, he chimes in. Can't you just see these guys? Sambalus over there, he's making dig after dig. He's being savage, doing all this, this stuff. And, and, he's, and then, and then and Tobiah wants to be, he's like, hey, Sambal, let me say something too. He's like, I'll get him with this zinger. A fox will knock your wall over. Woo, <laughs> right? But what, what are they trying to do? They're, they're, they're trying to, to, to show, tell them, you're weak. You're, you're, your motives are impure. You're, you're, you're way too slow. The, 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 the progress you're making is slow. You're inadequate. You're, you're a failure. This is, what, this is what Satan loves to do in our lives. He loves not only to throw obstacles into our lives, but he loves us to allow, and it's usually not from him because he can't verbally speak to us. I've never had that happen to me. And so what he does is he allows others to speak for him, and they speak what I would call critical words into your life. And if you're not ready, it could really hurt you. If you you don't understand that if you do anything good in life, somebody is going to talk bad about you, you're going to be confused, and you're going to think, what am I doing wrong? Why don't people like me why aren't people nicer to me why is everybody speaking negatively against me it's because you're going in the right direction and you will always then you will always then have critics i mean think about it some of you have stepped away from a job that you went to to school for for years like god broke your heart for something that wasn't just a job but it was a calling and you stepped away and what what happens when you step away from a from a job to go take on a calling or a career to go take on a calling somebody always going to criticize you what are you doing you know how much money you can make? You know how much prestige you can have? You know how many beach houses you can get? You know how high you can have? How much influence you can have? And they're not going to understand what God's called you to. And so they, they're going to criticize. Maybe you're a, you're a student and God's really beginning to change your life, which I believe happens. He's really beginning to call you and you go to school and you're living a life different from everybody else. You've already figured out who you are, and they're trying to figure it out still. So you begin to share your identity in Christ, and you you share the love of God in a a loving way, not a condemning way. And What happens even when you do all those things, you get critics. Kids begin to make fun of you. They begin to judge you. They begin to say stuff to you like, like, this is all fake. Science has proved you wrong. And the whole time you're going, why am I getting criticized? Because you're going in in the right direction. You're going to face critics. You're going to face obstacles. And then number three, this, this, this is important. Ultimately, you're going to face a decision. You're going to face a decision because here's what happens. When you face obstacles and when you face criticism, often what we do is we say, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going in the right direction, but this is too difficult. I'm tired. I can't tell you how many times I thought to myself, I'm done with this. I'm going to be an architect. Nobody's going to criticize my buildings obstacles you just get tired of dealing with the day and the day. you're like is this year gonna be the year nothing goes wrong and it just just goes wrong And you're like how much more and here's what happens in, in my line of work it happens often because for me what I've chosen is I've chosen to pursue my calling through through ministry full-time ministry your, your calling might be different but the, the the stats are staggering for people who do full-time ministry 90% of pastors are people who say I'm gonna work at the church 90% 9 out of 10 don't don't retire working for the church I mean it's only one out of ten of the people that I graduated Bible college with in 2002 are still gonna be pastors when I retire when I'm 102 and I, and I think to myself why does that happen because when you're a pastor like so many other things it's constant obstacles that you don't choose and constant criticism that you don't want Constant obstacles, constant criticism, and what happens in those moments is you begin to hear those things, and discouragement sets in. And, and discouragement is one of Satan's greatest tools. And so what I want to encourage you to do is I, I want to encourage you not to face opposition with discouragement, but, but instead allow the Holy Spirit to fill you with discernment. What's discernment? It's that thing your wife has. You know what I'm talking about. They know everything. Women have this. I mean, my wife, she is one of the most discerning people I've ever met. Like, there was things when I met her, she was like, did you see that? Did you hear that? Did you understand that? Did you see their body language? I'm like, no, all I saw was my taco. (laughs) And she would, like, this is happening. This is what's going on. Even at the church, she's like, this is what's going to happen. This is how it's going to go. This person's going to do this. And I'm like, what? How do you see this woman? It's discernment. It's actually a spiritual gift. I wish I had a little more of it the Holy Spirit will fill us up and so instead of being discouraged it's our ability to hear something different it's kind of like the the Yanny and the Laurel debate I hear I hear Laurel clearly because that's what it is but my kids hear Yanny because they're dumb right some of you hear Yanny you're wrong it says Laurel and I think there's two different ways you can interpret obstacles and you can interpret criticism you can look one way like those of you who here and you can go this is bad this is awful god's leaving me god's abandoned me god's forsaken me i gotta quit and you're right on the brink of a breakthrough or you can be like me and hear laurel the right way and you can go no 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 i'm going in the right direction that's why i'm facing this of course i'm facing this because there's always pain when you're moving one pastor said one time he said listen always remember the safest, most normal air is when you have to go through. If you're on a plane, you're going on an ascension and you get to a certain point, you're, you're cruising altitude. But before you get to that cruising altitude, you go through really rough air. They tell you, keep your seatbelt down. Don't move along, uh, uh, along the cabin or you'll die, right? So keep it on. Why? Because you're, you're ascending to a new, a new level. So there's always going to be, anytime God takes you somewhere new, there's always going to be rough air. So what does Nehemiah do? Let's check it out because he makes a decision. Does he get in a fetal position, go back to Persia, tell Xerxes? Does he give up? Does he quit? Because these guys won't quit. They keep criticizing him. Watch what the Bible says that he did in in the book of of Nehemiah chapter 4. He does what I think you need to do every time. First thing he does, he says, hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults Back on their own heads. I like that. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight. For they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. What does he do? Number one, he takes it to God. That's the first thing you do. Unfair criticism, don't take it to Facebook. Don't take it to your friends. You drop to the level of that person. Don't keep it in and get mad. You take it to God. God, they're saying this about me. God, I'm facing this and I don't know what to do. God, I'm confused by this whole thing. So I'm going to take, take it to God. I, I love the, the promise in, in Psalms 121. Watch what it says. It says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. And he asks us a question. Where does your help come from? Where, where does it come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He, he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you. I love this. This is kind of creepy, actually. He will not slumber. Goes on to say, he never slumbers and he never sleeps. You see, why your critics are thinking up their best ways to hurt you, why Satan's trying to figure out the best obstacles to put in your way to quit, you have the ability to lay your head on the pillow at night, at night and the peace that surpasses all understanding because you serve a God who never sleeps nor slumbers. That, that means when you're sleeping and your enemies are up trying to hurt you, that God is up figuring out how to defeat them for you. That he is a God that never rests. That his eyes are always on you. That he will never leave you nor forsake you. So the first thing, he takes it to God. And number, number two, I love this. He gets back to work. I have found that I spent a lot of my life talking about things that I'm not in control of. And whenever I step away from what I'm doing to talk about people that are criticized me or worry about obstacles that I can't control, that the work that God wants to do in and through my life, it, it, it goes on hold. And so what does Nehemiah do? He takes it to God. And then Nehemiah 4 says, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. So what happens then? Because I don't have time to read you the rest of the story. They keep working. Symbolic keeps coming back. In fact, they're working at such a pace. They're getting so high that Symbolic has to begin to send messengers because his criticism can no longer be heard from where he's at. So Symbolic sends a messenger six times. Hey, come down and talk to us. I want to talk about this wall you're building. They're now, I mean, they're almost almost—they're almost all the way to the top by chapter 6. 52 days have passed. They have built this at record pace. It was down for over 100 years, and now in 52 days, the cupbearer is rebuilding it. And Sambalic comes, hey, come down and talk to me. Hey, come down and talk to me. Hey, come down and talk to me. And I love, I love Neh- Nehemiah's attitude in Nehemiah chapter 6. The Bible says, but I know they're scheming to harm me. Verse number 3 says, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. Watch this. This is savage. He says, I'm carrying on a great project, and I cannot come down. Woo! I'm going to use that. I see criticism online. I don't got time for that. I'm building a great wall. I don't got time to answer you. You're too far down anyways. What would you say? I can't hear you from up here. I don't got time for this. I'm facing, ob- this the same obstacles. It's always the same. Somebody leaving, somebody mad, somebody having an affair, somebody getting addicted to drugs again, somebody stopping saying yes to God. It's the same obstacles over and over and over again. And when Satan throws them in my way, I'm just going, I don't got time for this. Satan, you can't do nothing to me outside of God's will for my life. God, you got this. You never sleep nor slumber. Hand Handle my chump change. I don't have time to come down. I'm building a great wall. He takes it to God. Come on. And he gets back to work. some of you, this whole week, not only has it been raining on your parade, but this whole week you've been opposed and you felt criticized and you've stopped working because you've given so much time to the criticism or the opposition. And what's God telling you? Take it to me. Get back to work. Keep working on the marriage I called you to work on. Keep working on that singleness that I called you to work on. Keep working on that business that I'm calling you to work on. Keep going to that school that I'm calling you to change and effect. Keep doing what I'm calling you to do. Don't worry about opposition, and don't worry uh, uh, about critics. Man, handle this with the sermon. Hear the right thing. You're going to be fine. Get back to work. Get, get back to work. Would you stand with me all over this house? Would you bow your heads and Would you close your eyes? And I pray that this... This message, as your eyes are closed, would just be a, a holy moment of encouragement. Sometimes when you preach, you preach for the spirit of conviction to fill a room. And what, What's the conviction? It's a, it's, a, it's a drawing of the Holy Spirit to many people saying, the life you're living is not, it's not good enough. It's not holy enough. It's not righteous enough. There's more for you. It's a calling you to a different altitude in your life. That, that happens sometimes. and That might even happen through this message. Maybe God's calling you to something. And, you're feeling the spirit of God convict you. But, but, but today I pray that the spirit of encouragement would fall over this room. That he would fill you with expectation in your, in your, in your marriage, in that business, in that physical struggle you've gone through, in that unexpected, that unexpected opposition that you face, that he would fill you with encouragement. As you know that nothing in your life happens by accident. And his hand is on you. You serve a God that never sleeps nor slumbers. His eyes are fixed on you. He's the author and the perfecter of your faith. Where's your help come from? Does it come from worry? Does it come from doubt? Does it come from fear? Help comes from from heaven. He's your maker. He's your sustainer. He's your provider. He's your comfort. He's not your condemner. He's where freedom comes in your life. You can trust Him with everything that you are at all of our campuses. If God has called you to something, He will see you through it. You broke your heart a few weeks ago. You began to see what other people don't see and care for what other people don't care about. And you began to build the credibility that you need. And as you're moving, you face face undesired opposition, obstacles, criticism going in the right direction you're going in the right direction you're not facing them because you're doing something wrong you're facing them because you're doing something right and Satan is trying to discourage you Holy Spirit bring discernment in this place or we see you we know you we trust you we follow you with all of our life we give you everything that we are and let me just let me just speak to you in this room that maybe you don't you don't know what's going on here right now maybe you're confused by this whole thing maybe if I said to you you know the difference between me and you really is just that I have decided to give my life to Jesus Christ and maybe you're confused by that whole thing is that a religious thing you've done is that a is that something you signed up for Are those some classes you went to did you get confirmed and so now you're part of this and I would tell you no 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 and no I wanted nothing to do with God I grew up in church I hated church I wanted to live my own life but Jesus Christ wrecked me He saved me. He set me free. He called me. He's given me the privilege and the honor to proclaim his name week in and week out. And the promise of his scripture is when I raise up his name, when we lift up the name of Jesus, that he will draw men and women to himself. And so that's all we do in this time. We talk about Jesus. We brag about what Jesus has done in our lives. We talk about his love, that he would sacrifice his life on that cross for us. We talk about his power, that he rose from the dead. And we talk about his desire, that scripture says that he intercedes for you by name to come home to him. That just like he wanted a relationship with me, that I'm up here to tell you, man, that he loves you more than you can imagine. That you can try to live this life on your own. You can try to figure out your own identity. You can try to make your own purpose, make your own way. But what I've experienced and what I've witnessed, that's a dark life to live that's a hopeless life to live that's a pain filled life to live where does your help come from today comes from Jesus he's your maker the Bible says he molded you in your mother's womb that he knew you before anybody knew you and his plan for you is bigger than anybody's plan has ever been for you and that he deeply desires to have a relationship with you and so what do you do in that situation because the Bible says when we begin to talk about that that the spirit will begin to knock at the door of people's lives I, I, I can't explain that to you Except that when he spoke to me, I just felt this burning in my chest. It was just, it was just this unmistakable drawling of something outside of myself. And I believe that same thing happens in these moments at all of our campuses. And I think the question is, what am I supposed to do with this? The Bible says if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart in this moment that Jesus is Lord, that he did what I said he did, that he died on a cross for your sins, that he rose from the dead and he defeated hell, that you would become a brand new person, That maybe there's been all sorts of obstacles that have tried to keep you from this moment maybe you're listening to all sorts of criticism that's coming from Satan right now Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom that there is no condemnation that doesn't come from God he's not telling you you're not good enough he's not telling you you're not worthy he's not telling you that he can't use you he's not telling you to keep your hand down and keep quiet and don't cry he's telling you let it all out come to me right now if you're weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest I will give you rest. You see, church is a place of rest. Church is a place where dead people, they come alive. Church is a place where lost people, they feel the comfort of being found. Church is a place where people that feel blind, that for the very first time, you can see. You have freedom in this place. Here's the thing about it. And it's your decision. It's your decision. He loves you. He's here right now. You have a decision where you can say, you know what, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And so what we do in this room is if my kids need me, they, take, they make a very simple, especially when they were little, simple step of movement. And what is that step of movement? Without saying any words, they just put their hands towards me. And that just means as, my, as their earthly father, they pick me up. And so we do that at Journey Church. To follow Christ, it's a bold decision. It takes courage. It's free, but it costs Jesus everything. And so we're saying, I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has the power in this moment to change me forever. So with nobody looking around, I want to know that I'm praying with you all over our houses. There's a campus director standing in front of every one of our other campuses, but they're going to let me know you raise your hand at Limerick, at Plymouth meeting in Royersford. Just like my sons, when they need me, they put their hand towards me, and that's just a signal. Daddy, I want you to hold me. Bible says that God is your heavenly father that he loves you more than you can imagine your step of faith to say you know what today I need a relationship with Jesus Christ no more obstacles no more excuses no more fear no more doubt today today is going to be the day today is going to be the day it's going to be my step towards God and that you all over our houses without worrying about the person beside you this is between you and God he loves you more than you can imagine and he is desperately wanting you to make a decision to allow him to be your father to be your God today I'm going to decide to follow Jesus if that's you all over our houses would you just shoot your hands up in the air say, hey that's gonna be me I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life if you're in Phoenixville right now don't worry about the person beside you just shoot your hand up in the air and say you know what I'm gonna make Jesus the Lord of my life no more condemnation no more fear no more doubt Plymouth meeting Royers for Limerick if that's you, I just want you to keep your hand held high so that I can clap with you and pray with you. Is there anybody here who say, hey Pastor, that's gonna be me? That's gonna be me. That's gonna be me. Let's pre- begin to pray. And as we pray, I believe people are gonna continue to respond. Jesus, thank you for this day. Well, thank you, Father, for what you've done in this in this message, in this time in your word. Thank you, Lord, for, for drawing people to yourself. Thank you for the three people in Limerick who are responding, the four people with the, the one person in Plymouth meeting. Yes. Lord, I pray for those maybe that that didn't take the opportunity to respond to you. But right now, as we've kind of moved into the next step, that they would just lift their hands towards you. And it would just be a sign of brokenness and surrender. Jesus, come into my life. I don't understand this whole thing, but here's what I do understand. I feel broken. I feel lost. I feel tired. I feel weary. I've looked everywhere else. Today, I want to be found in Jesus. And so today, right now, Lord, you're becoming everything to them. You're forgiving their sins. You're giving them a reason to live. You're giving them a purpose to wake up tomorrow morning. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that we can confess you as our Lord and Savior. And scripture says that we will be a brand new creation. That what was true of them when they got here is no longer true of them. It's no longer true of them. They become a brand new creation in Jesus' name. Lord, we're thankful for that. I also pray that you would help us to leave this place with a bold encouragement just like Nehemiah took. We're going to take it to you. We're going to give you the time we fear obstacles and we listen to criticism. We're going to take it to you, and then we're going to get back to work. Why? Because we're in the middle of building a great wall. God, you have called us to do something incredible with our lives, Lord. We want to keep pursuing everything that you have for us. Jesus, thank you for your word, for it never, never returns void. In Jesus' name we pray. Church, would you shout amen? Come on, let's clap together. Clapping for somebody else in Royersford and somebody else in Limerick. Let's clap for them, church.